Central Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Unini Weldenig. You are very welcome along to The Art Show. It feels a bit special because it's our very first of the season. Unini Weldenig with you for the next hour and only delighted to be. I have some great guests lined up over the coming months to give us insight into their lives as artists and maybe expose us to forms of art and pieces of work that we haven't previously met, which is always interesting, if not exciting, I think. We also have a spoken word or a written piece and some music every single week. So lots of opportunity, I hope, to enjoy some of the many brilliant pieces of local, national and international art that are floating about out there. And we're going to have our very own KCLR book club here on the show. And I should probably start, shouldn't I, by telling you which books we'll be discussing and when. So our first choice is Liz Nugent's Strange Sally Diamond, which we'll discuss on the show in a fortnight's time. That's October the 3rd. Now, I know many of you will have read this already as as it was a bestseller, but you might like a quick reread to freshen your memory before joining us for that chat. And if you haven't read it yet, well, you've two whole weeks to get your hands on a copy and get going. So that's our first book club choice, Strange Sally Diamond on October the 3rd. Then three weeks after that, so bringing us to October 24th, we'll be talking about Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Again, a big seller, so you may have read it, but if not, you've got plenty of time between now and then to get it done. Now, don't worry, I'll remind you of those titles and dates again. And by the way, if you've read Lessons in Chemistry and loved that book, you'll be very excited to hear that Apple TV are releasing a new series based on it starring Brie Larson, which I think is coming out on October 13th. So lots to look forward to. But back to this evening, what's on the agenda? Well, we'll be talking about Culture Night, of course, because it's happening all over Carlow and Kilkenny and indeed the country this Friday, September 22nd. Mary Butler, Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council, is joining us for a chat about that. Amongst other things, we'll throw an eye on events that are coming up over the next week outside of Culture Night 2. We'll be profiling local writer Quillen O'Mahony and we'll go a little further afield to celebrate English writer William Golding and American country singer Trisha Yearwood, both of whom were born on this day. But before all of that, I'm only delighted to welcome to studio our very first guest of the season, Pauline O'Connell. How are you doing? Hi, Una. Thanks for the invite. Well, it's great to have you here and you have the special honour of being our very first guest, which I'm sure feels amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> Say I, Pauline, I, I was looking through your website and your CV and to be honest, there is so much in it that I'm going to have to pass it, the, the question to you. What exactly do you produce as, a, as an art maker? Okay, well, I'm a visual artist. I had a formal training in sculpture and photography, um, but I coloured outside the lines, as it were. At the time, uh, I was in the painting department, I but I never painted. So sculpture and photography and installation and sound is what my background is. But over the years, I collect stories, I suppose. So uh, memory is a medium. And... I work with people, so it's considered what's called social practice, which borrows from um, the social work in a way, in that it's uh, social consciousness. Um, and I make artwork that looks at tensions, you know, anomalies in uh, regarding social justice and 
gaps as I see them. But I work in the rural context. I live in the rural context for the last 20 years in the upland region of North Kilkenny. Um, and over the past 10 years, I've been working on my doorstep, which is rather unusual for an artist because you're working with your neighbours, effectively. So while they, you're almost afraid what if they don't like what I do? <laughs> what you're producing. Yeah. It's a big responsibility. I want to go back for a second. So you're in the painting department and am I getting the sense that you didn't like solely producing something physical and abstract and you preferred the more social element to the work? Is that how you ended up where you are? Indeed. Well, I actually reminded myself today, I was sick. I was out of college for a week um, and I sewed together, like hand stitched together. Um, I suppose they could be considered love letters from a previous boyfriend. And I made this blanket effectively. So my work for the week, being sick in bed with a kidney infection or something, uh, I brought in the work at the end of the week um, and I hung it up in my space and it caused such controversy I couldn't tell you you know I've had messages thrown at me in, in paper written messages across the canteen and really it activated this kind of space so I pinned it to this um, canvas but it had a lot more reaction than paint on a surface so this then fueled my my creativity you could stay um, I think Ireland, you were ahead of your time dear I see because it's the equivalent I guess of posting on, on, on a social media your, your feelings Indeed well somebody said not directly to me recently I was Tracy Emin before Tracy Emin <laughs> um, it didn't go down well let's say there were a lot okay. of emotions exposed but it was very creative and I was very happy with it. So I, I created installations and sound, but there was no vehicle for making that type of work in art college at the time. I went to Dunleary's College of Art, which is DLIADT now, Institute of Art, Design and Technology. But So I was friendly with the crowd from Keela and we recorded in their bedrooms at night sound installations and it was very... Um, magic, actually. It sounds because, absolutely yeah, magic. magic. I'm going to go take a little break, uh, Pauline, but back for more of this chat in just a moment. You are very welcome back. I'm here having a lovely chat with Pauline O'Connell, artist extraordinaire. I don't quite know how to label you, Pauline. So let's get back to that interesting conversation you were having. So you discovered that the power of art was maybe slightly bigger than you had originally thought. Yeah, I suppose um, because now I work with people um, and I'd worked in rural contexts over the years making public art commissions, um, I suppose as an artist to take yourself by surprise is a great thing. You, you go in with predetermined ideas, um, but things change, they evolve, it's organic. Um, I make films photography, installations still, but of late um, I, I've made short films. Um, and the most recent was called A Woman's Cullum, C-U-L-M. And it really it's about uh, women making a ball of cullum, which is yellow clay, uh, coal dust and water. Uh, so really it was looking at women's labour. And it, this was sort of manifest in this ball, um, which they burned in the fire. So there was a home economics there. There was resilience and kind of resistance. So it was women's invisible labour but this was commissioned as part of the decade of centenaries and women's role in that as well rural women I should say was um, pretty uh, 
I suppose they, they weren't given credit, you know, ultimately. So uh, this was proven. You can see the military archives when they went looking for um, a pension uh, for their role as part of uh, the War of Independence. Um, they had to prove themselves. So their domestic care for uh, insurgents, in, you know, for those on the run, for those injured, they cooked, they had safe houses. Uh, really, it, it fell under the parameters of domestic women's labour, uh, not as contributing. So this kind of shone a light on, on this um, invisibility of their role in the coal mining industry and also um, in, the, in the War of Independence. It's, that's a fascinating topic and it's so long after the fact that we've started to really appreciate the depth of I don't want to use the word assistance, but involvement and, and engagement that women had in all of those um, fights down through the years and in so many things that we, we, we lay the credit elsewhere yeah. very wrongly. I suppose that in essence, the idea of a centenary is to look back, but also to ask, where are we now? And, you know, so it's not just stuck in the past, as it were. It's like, where are we now? There is still disregarded labour mm. around the world. It's not just here. But interestingly, this very specific local story, I interviewed a woman who was 100 years old, Anna Mae Tracy and Nancy Gagan. Anna Mae isn't with us anymore. Um, she died earlier this year in her 103rd year. So, um, but their contribution, they directly made Cullum. They were taught by their mothers and grandmothers. They were children as they made it. Uh, but this knowledge was passed down the female line. But this story that is so local also resonated around the world because the film toured film festivals and to my astonishment won awards in in Ontario, um, Delaware, um, Houston. That's Texas. amazing. Why do you think it struck such a chord? What was it about it? I think, I think everyone has, you know, for most part, you have a mother, you know, or a female figure in your life, and you know how. That's why I became really emotionally charged when I played it um, and showed it in Coon in North Kilkenny, um, people cried, you know, and men welled up. It's not just women because mm. um, they know how hard their mothers worked um, and didn't get credit for it. And that's universal. So it struck an emotion um, that resonates around the world. And I think that's, in essence, it took me by surprise. And that's a good thing. It's a great thing. How did you get the idea, by the way, how, like to specifically hone in on the on the column? What, where did that come from? Was well, it was research? Women's hands. So women's hands became the fighting tools. So as the, the subtitle is keeping the home fires burning. So a woman's column keeping the home fires burning. So the women sort of fought with their hands. They were their tools. The men might have had the rifles, but the women had this... And then I worked with Larry Scallon, who's a commandant in the army, retired now. But he, the Mills bomb, which was commonly used at the time, is exactly the same size. You can fit it in your hand as, as the Cullum ball. Um, so the two sort of conflated um, and they became symbolic. So then the hands, so the, the film doesn't show the women's faces. It just focuses on their hands. So in other words... It it wasn't just about anime, the hundred year old or Nancy. It was about all women. 
Okay, so it was faces for good reason just to represent Absolutely. all that work. There was an aesthetic choice made, a very difficult choice as well, especially when you're dealing with someone so elderly, you want yes. to honour them. But the voice became more fragile as a result because you didn't see her face. Um, and she has the column ball in her hands and it's turned over from hand to hand. And it's really beautiful, I would say myself. It was deemed a feminist film, Sounds which I didn't expect. Um, but it has taken on a character now that has... Um, resonated. It's not on my website now. My website hasn't been updated for a long time. How can we get our hands on it? Um, it will do. It It, it has almost finished the, the circuit now for the film festivals and with that I'm then allowed to put it, put it on your website. website. Okay, yeah, so look forward to that. How did the ladies in question feel about the fact that their faces weren't shown? Do they, do they mind? Um, it was an aesthetic choice and I think yeah, they were, they, were, they were emotional about it. They didn't mind at all, at all, because I think it became more powerful because um, it was it was every woman's hands. And they, they weren't just speaking for themselves. They were speaking on mm. behalf of women in the past, but also women now and into the future, unfortunately, whose labour is disregarded. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. It sounds like a really worthwhile watch and I can't wait to see it. Um, unfortunately, time is not on our side, Pauline, but I wanted to ask you about one of your projects that really interested me and that is Heave Ho. I know it goes back a little bit in time, but a lot of what you're concerned with is the disappearance of human presence or the trace of it over time. So can you tell me a little bit about that project and the community, the community field? Okay, in short, which is difficult <laughs> for me, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, in 2012, I, I, I'm living where I am now since 2003. 2012, I undertook a master's degree at Limerick School of Art. Uh, with that, I realised I was working elsewhere in other rural contexts and I was honing in on anomalies, gaps, I'd, you know, things that made me feel uneasy. And I said, well, I'm not working on my own doorstep. So I was... I realised at the time where I live isn't on the electoral map and this became a provocation um, to research why. You had urban-rural divide, upland, lowland. Um, and then I said I'd, you know, I'd look at a sport that might become symbolic. OK, Kilkenny is synonymous with sport, but symbolic for community mm. and the tension within community too. Not just, it's, it's not all convivial. So tug of war became this symbol for pulling with your neighbour but also pulling against there was this interdependence there built up so I three pubs got involved I set up a tug of war teams in each pub um, and they practised I bought a rope um, it was held in a field which then later became the community field it was a publicly owned field in Castle Warren just outside the village which is still activated as a result um, as the community field but an event was held uh, between Brennan's pub in Johnswell, Sheeran's of the Ridge and Sheeran's one and Larkin's of Canesbridge so there was fabulous momentum I tried to get a women's team together, by the way. It didn't, it didn't materialise. Uh, the men love talking. But it really, it, um, it really went, harked back to uh, a very famous um, tug of war group that came from Muckalee and Coon and the area um, 50 years earlier. You know, they won loads of awards. Um, so many of those were still alive so they gave me stories and the interesting thing when you deal with memory is everyone remembers the same event but from a different angle so there is this slippage in memory that 
I think is a very creative zone and that's what I utilised in the project. It sounds amazing. But I think as well, what I loved about that project was the idea of the community field, which would have been the real epicentre of social life, wouldn't it? Down through, I think, the, the centuries when there was nothing else to do. To some degree, yeah. Somebody's the, field and, and an old game might, might, might start the, up or... Yeah, you know, because it's the hills, it's not a level field. So it's, it's you know, there's an advantage and disadvantage as well when you're pulling on a, on a slope. Um, it's not large enough for hurling, so it'll have soccer. It, the annual field days would happen. They still happen. The, it was planned for last Sunday in the same field in Castle Warren, um, but the, the rain uh, prevented it. It'll happen again on the 30th of September. Um, so it became this activated space. Um, now there's a building in the space, the community building. So it's, again, it's symbolic. There are hillbilly um, events there, um, a hillbilly night, music night, uh, Christmas events, Halloween and the annual field day. So people come together. It was formerly called the sports field because athletics is is a very big um, popular activity in the hills. Um, And now it is owned by the community. Um, So it went from, the interesting point I suppose, went from private to public ownership. And that's rare, you know. So the public own it. There was fundraising undertaken in the 80s. Which is wonderful. Yes. Pauline, we've only scratched the surface, unfortunately, and I know that you are undertaking a PhD in Amsterdam at the moment, which is an amazing experience, I'm sure. It is, yeah. You'll have to come back at a later stage and tell us more because I'm going to direct people, if I may, to your website because there are so many interesting projects on there that we just don't have time to get into. So do you want to give us details about your website? Okay, and I will say it goes back in time. It's it's not recent. Um, www.paulineoconnell.com so P-A-U-L-I-N-E-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L dot com. Okay, well, Pauline, thank you so much for coming in. I'm sorry we didn't get to chat a little bit more, but we really appreciate you coming in to us this evening and telling us a little bit about the work that you do as an artist in Kilkenny. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Welcome back to the Art Show. Now it's time for our Artist in Profile segment where each week we'll be hearing from a Kilkenny-based creative who'll share what their art practice is, how where they live has influenced their work, the key points in their career and what they're working on right now. This week we're going to hear from Quilin O'Mahony. Quilin will actually join us in studio next week to discuss her work but in advance of that, here's a little taste of her life as a writer. My name is Quilin O'Mahony. I'm a writer with love all things science fiction and fantasy. I am currently working on my first novel, fantasy comedy called Heroes of Sort. I'm from Dublin originally, but I've been living in South Kilkenny for seven years now. Um, I went from a grand four apartment in Dublin to a small farmhouse. So it was a big change, but a good change for me. Um, you know, we're in a really beautiful spot here, surrounded by nature. And I just love being able to disconnect and really focus on my writing. And I love Kilkenny. You know, it's a cool place and there's some really good supports for writing. I was awarded a place on the Irish Writers Centre National Mentoring Programme 2022, um, which is partly funded by Kilkenny County Council. And that was a really fantastic opportunity. I was able to get one-to-one mentoring on my novel from award-winning author Oshin McGann. Um, and then earlier this year, I won an Artlinks Bursary Award for Emerging Artists from the Southeast. And that like allowed me to take up a place on an advanced novel editing course with UK-based literary agency Curtis Brown. So there are some really good opportunities for artists here in Kilkenny. You know, I definitely recommend linking in with the arts office so that you can get on their mailing list and take advantage of all the sports that they have to offer. 
the mentoring that I received, you know, helped me get my novel from a draft one to a draft two. And then the editing course I'm doing is helping me get it from a draft two to a draft three, you know, but they're also teaching us how to put a pitch package together, you know, for agents and publishers. So like your synopsis, your shout lines, your cover letter, all that. And it's just so exciting, you know, so hopefully all the work I'm putting in will pay off and I'll see my book on the shelves in the future. Um, it's a fantasy comedy about a bard of questionable talent who enters an epic adventuring league trying to make a name for himself, but ends up in way over his head and just battling monsters and everything. It's good fun. You know, um, I love being able to be a little bit silly and playful and fun in my writing. I think writing should be fun, but it doesn't always feel fun. You know, sometimes it can be hard because um, it can be hard to juggle everything. You know, like I'm a parent, I have a day job, I have lots of demands on my time like we all do. Um, but I do think it's just so important to try to prioritize writing, you know, if it's important to you, you know, to set some time aside for your creative practice. So my favorite part about writing is world building, well, like daydreaming, basically. Um, I love daydreaming about fancy worlds, you know, the setting, the people, the customs, like magic, if there is any, you know, and getting words on the page, though, is much harder than <laughs> the daydreaming part. Um, but there's nothing more rewarding than looking at a finished draft. So it's absolutely worth the effort. My advice to anyone who's thinking of being a writer would be firstly to give yourself time and space to write. You know, a lot of people I talk to kind of and me as well like you, you go to sit down and do some writing and then you get distracted by laundry or hoover and, or whatever um no housework don't be doing housework try to give yourself at least half an hour an hour where you don't think you're going to be disturbed um if you don't have half an hour you can try writing on your phone i used to write on my phone in my car while i was waiting on my son to finish training um you might think sure what can you possibly get done in such a short space of time but you'd actually be surprised um you know i once saw someone on twitter say they wrote an entire novel during their commute in at work so you know it is possible um but I'd also recommend maybe keeping your expectations a bit low, especially at the start. You know, like if you wanted to be a painter and you'd never taken this before, you wouldn't expect to paint like an amazing painting, you know, on your first try or like the Mona Lisa or whatever. But for some reason with writing, I think a lot of people do expect to be able to write like maybe a bestseller um, on their first try, which is totally unrealistic. Um, you know, just because you use writing in your day job, it's different. So try not to be too critical of your early work, you know, just keep writing and it'll get better with time. Um, if I had one wish for the arts in Ireland, it would be for the basic income for the arts to be rolled out. Um, it's currently like a pilot, but if it were brought in for everyone, I think it'd be just a total game changer. You know, it would allow so many more writers and artists to really focus on their craft. Um, I'd love to see more Irish writing being produced. Like we already do produce a lot of fantastic fiction, but I feel like there are probably more voices out there. You know, people who can't currently commit because they have too many other demands on their time and financial pressure. So, yeah, I want to read what they're writing. If you want to see some of the things that I'm reading or get updates on my writing, you can find me on twitter.com slash ctomahony1. If you're a writer and want to meet in person, um, there is a new writer salon here in Kilkenny on the last Wednesday of every month at half 10 in the book and coffee shop on William Street. So I think the next one is on September 27th and you can find me there. Queen O'Mahony writer telling us a little bit about her life as a writer and more on that next week because Queen will actually be joining us in studio, which we're very excited for. Now, if that, if that did whet your appetite or if you think think you have a book in you, which apparently all of us do. You might be interested in something that I saw on the Arts Office website. Mary Butler had posted about a webinar for writers. It's called Taking Yourself Seriously as a Writer and it's with creative coach Anne Tannum. And that is happening tomorrow evening from 7 to 8.30 and I think it sounds really exciting. If you're interested, you can send a mail to Diane Seal at Council.ie. Her email is diane.seal, that's S-E-A-L-E at Kilkenny 
pennycoco.ie and I'm, I'm not sure whether there are places left or not. I think there are, but there's a lady on the line who's about to join me who might be able to confirm. Mary Butler, good evening to you. Una, how are you? I'm not too bad. I was just mentioning there, Mary, I don't know if you heard me or not, talking about the webinar that you're running yeah. tomorrow evening. Uh, do you think that if people send an email tomorrow to Diane, they can still hop on to that? Absolutely, yeah. There's been massive interest in it. Um, I think the, you know, bad and all of COVID was, it has really opened us up to new ways of connecting with artists and um practitioners across all art forms online and it's really enabling people to attend things that I don't think they all, they often could in person do you know what I mean? Just being able to do something from the comfort of your own home and it really doesn't minimise the benefit of it in any way so yes, if people want to email Diane there's definitely places left um, and they'll be join, joining a large number of other writers um, local writers so it's a lovely way to connect as well albeit yes. virtually yeah indeed the networking aspect and I could not agree with you more I think it has sort of given us access to things that would have been a little bit outside of our reach before the Covid years so if we want to look at the silver lining I guess there it is yeah. Mary I feel like every time I speak to you I should actually introduce you properly you are of course the Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council and I feel it's important to say that every time I speak to you, you, you have something big coming up, which I think speaks to the, 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 the amount that we put into the arts in Kilkenny and, and indeed in Carlow. Isn't that true? Absolutely, yeah. There's a huge amount of energy in Kilkenny around the arts. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's really obvious with, you know, the festivals that we have across, um, across the year. Um, I suppose both arts and cultural festivals and then the work of the Arts Office which I suppose is actually quite different to the festivals as I would have mentioned to you before. Our work is very very much about the practitioner they're at the core of everything we do and without that engagement and I suppose uh, real kind of sincere support for artists the quality of the work that comes out in public events like Culture Night or the Arts Festival or Crinunanog, all of those events, it's really improved and augmented by the work that we do because we're supporting artists to upscale, building capacity, enabling them to network. So really, I suppose, the young people, the communities, the public at large benefit in that way from the work that we would do. Mm. And I know you do massive work in that regard, but Miri, how do you, if you take a step back, how do you think we're doing as regards enabling artists out there to make a living, to realistically be able to live from their craft or their their art making, are we are we making strides? Are we nearly there? How would you view it from a from from your point of view? Um, we're not nearly there, but we are making strides. And I always kind of think, to be honest, in my role, I think it's my job to be dissatisfied and a little bit frustrated because if I wasn't, you run the risk of becoming complacent. So I'm quite happy to be frustrated all the time that not enough is being done or people are not being supported in the right way. Now, I do think we're making strides. It was interesting that Quaylen brought up the, you know, the artist... Um, the income scheme and I think that's really important but I think one of the things that I would have experienced for the last 30 years of working in the arts and something that we really really need to get over and this is a global thing is that artists are still expected and I'm, when I talk about arts I'm talking about artists across all art forms so musicians writers visual artists um, 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 artists who work in, in theatre so performing arts as well that there's an expectation that artists love what they do so they'll do it for nothing or for very little 
Um, and I think that attitude is really, really problematic. Mm. You know, I think it's exploitative, to be quite honest. And I think, yes, they love it, but aren't they the lucky ones if they do get paid for their work in a way, insofar as, you know, it's it's important that we enjoy our jobs. And I think people also underestimate how disciplined artists have to be and how multifaceted they are as individuals. So in order to get to, to earn money, they have to make funding applications. They have to make project applications to organisations or to local authorities like myself. So they're continually putting in work that isn't acknowledged, recognised or paid for. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a really big I suppose hump that we need to get over I mean yes artists do love what they do but it's still seen as a little bit light touch in some areas um, and a little bit frivolous do you know mm, what I mean I it's think you're serious, right it's a serious career you know all of these artists they've been to college they have degrees they have masters they have PhDs but yet they don't earn in respect to their levels of qualifications. Do you know what I mean? Yes, except for the very, very tiny few at the top of the pile. But I suppose there's a huge amount of sacrifice involved as well, isn't there? Either through double or treble jobbing or maybe doing things we we don't want to do in order to make the art that we really do want to to make. So it's not easy, is it? No, it's not easy at all. And most artists will supplement their their income through their art by doing other things. Um, You know, those that are skilled or trained in the area or, you know, lucky enough to get work in the area will continue to work in their field. You know, so you've got visual artists who will also do community work. You've got writers who will do community work. So they run workshops, they get paid for doing that. And I suppose that's that's the ideal um, in a way. But... Um, I suppose the other thing I often say to young people when we work in community programs or with younger people, um, you know, they may have an aspiration to be a writer or a visual artist or to work in the performing arts. Now, I worked in theatre for years when I lived in the UK. Um, I never had any aspirations to go on stage, but I worked in that field and I did it by, um, I did scene painting and prop making. I worked behind the scenes. Um, I did sound. So it still enabled me to work in that field. It enabled me to be around artists that enabled me to, to be in that creative field. So often with young people I say that, you know, that to, to kind of to pave the road and also there's no harm in knowing all sides of these um, I suppose practices that you know they can get involved in other ways you know they may not be writers but they might be publishers they might be editors they might work in schools they might teach writing mm. um, and you know and they can still continue to write themselves the other thing about writing about most art forms is that it's, it's so subjective I mean we've the amount of writers I've worked with that have won awards for poetry and or you know short stories that they've written that have been declined and turned down from open submissions and then maybe the ninth, tenth even twelfth time I've spoken to people and all of a sudden that same piece of writing with no changing has won an award because it really the editors or the judges I know but Mary can you offer some words striving yeah (laughs) and I just think that's very difficult for writers to have the or, or whomever to have the resilience to keep on trying keep on trying because when you get X number of rejections you really probably start to think well this is rubbish so sticking with it Mm. I think is the key to success isn't it? It really is and and that's the other scale of artists they're extremely extremely resilient and I suppose it also then harks to the, the work that the Arts Office does the other side of the work that the Arts Office does with 
practitioners across art form. So I'll give you an example of our Your Voice Matters program this year, which is with writer Anne Tannum. So we have a nine-month program. There are seven writers on it. And it's one-to-one coaching. And it's not about the craft of writing it's about being a writer it's about resilience Mm. so it's really personal support um to because you know lots of writers lots of visual artists you know they work on their own they work in studios quite said you know you could literally be writing in your car on your phone um so we are and do run programs to support people emotionally you know for the want of a better word and to try to support them in maintaining that resilience or building personal resilience and giving them the opportunity to get one-to-one coaching on the frustration of being a a writer or working in a particular art form. So, you know, I'm very aware of those layers and those other supports that writers and other artists need as well. And we're going to be Um, talking about many of those, sorry for talking over you there, Amir, but we're going to be talking about many of those over the weeks to come. But before I run out of time, Mm. I do want to get to Culture Night which is happening this Friday uh, mm-hmm. one of your very many busy moments of the year so I wondered if you would be able to pick out a couple of highlights or any of the events that are coming up that you'd like to mention to share with us this evening mm-hmm. Well I'm very cheekily going to start with our own Arts Office event which is part of our Emerging Curator Development Programme so our Emerging Curator this year is Shannon Carroll and Shannon has an exhibition opening in the Shiam's house on at six o'clock on Friday and at half six there's an, um, a talk with the exhibiting artist so Mary Conroy who's a Kenny artist Bernadette Kiley and they're going to be in conversation with Shannon and very interesting to me and very topically I suppose as well their work really focuses on current environmental issues do you know what I mean and this particular exhibition is going to the ex- both the exhibition and the talk are very focused on themes centred around our history independence with local water systems so um, you know Irish mythology um, and also just I suppose more general as well to talk about ecological art local environment issues um, and just you know I suppose trying to unearth fresh conversations on climate change and art practice because mm-hmm. a lot of artists work in that field um, the other um, thing that I would really love to go to but I probably won't be able to because I'll be running around trying to um, connect in with as many people as I can on Friday night but Fred and Alice loving the time of OCD in the Watergate Theatre it just sounds like reading the blurb about it it just sounds hilarious it's something that I'd really love to see Well I, that was on um, my list as well and that's where I'm <laughs> headed on Culture Night and I'm very much looking forward to that one so yes we're, we're on the same well, mind on that one yeah, no, I will too <laughs> And there's a lovely event actually in Thomastown in the Biodiversity Garden there, which I think is lovely. And that sounds like a beautiful family event. So, you know, a walk around the illuminated garden, learn about the history of the place and the the hard work, again, by volunteers that went in to that garden for wildlife, biodiversity and and the community. And there are lots of art installations there as well. And there will be an opportunity to make your own... um, glass lantern which you can keep or leave in the garden so there are three that that, that kind of jumped out at me I think um, a nice mix of two in the city and one in the county as well even though there are other events in the county they sound great there's another one actually that caught my eye which was an improvised version of Romeo and Juliet and that's on in St oh, Canis's yes. neighbourhood hall wouldn't that be fun it's suitable for anybody 13 or over and of course everything mm. is open a bit later and I always think the atmosphere on the night even if you're just milling about and sort of bumping 
bumping into people and, and making your your route as you go if you decide on the night what you might go to. It's just a wonderful evening. It really is. Yeah. It is, and I think the fact that everything is, is free is a really good kind of encouragement for people to come out. And again, it's another, I suppose, collective celebration, for the want of a better word. And they're they're generally very important in any community because they help to build that sense of community. And that's re- literally what you were just talking about. You're out and about. You're going from A to B. You're not just attending events, but you're meeting other like-minded people or people may be new to kind of arts and culture events and um, so there's often it's a lovely evening to connect with people as well it's always during these times that I actually get out of the office and spend my whole night talking to a huge <laughs> array of people actually. yes you do and I haven't looked at the forecast but we'll, we'll cross the fingers that it's going to yes, clear up a little bit and we'll be able to enjoy that lovely evening Mary we'll probably speak to you again before the end of the run we're thrilled to be back on air uh, thanks to yourselves and uh, Creative okay. Ireland and we look forward to a brilliant night on Friday and many thanks for coming on to talk to us about it this evening Carlo Kilkenny KCLR you're very welcome back to the art show I'm pressing buttons here like this no tomorrow. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes but anyway, thank you for bearing with me. Today is of course the 19th of September and a couple of amazing artists are celebrating their birthday. Well, the first one is not celebrating it because he's no longer with us. William Golding, the great British writer. Now he, of course, is best known for his novel Lord of the Flies and and actually, Mary was speaking there about rejection so it might interest you to know that he was rejected by 21 publishers before Faber and Faber accepted this novel when he was 43. So that might give any aspiring writers some hope. 21 rejections of the work that defined his legacy. His lesser known novels include The Spire, The Pyramid and Darkness Visible. He won the 1983 Nobel Prize in Literature. His writing saw him knighted in 1988 and in 2008 the Times ranked Golding third on the list of the 50 greatest British writers since 1945 and he was considered a bit on the pessimistic side. So here's a little clip of him trying to shake off that particular label. Uh, I'm typed as a pessimism, pessimist, and I never agree with this. I think I'm an optimist because I think, in fact, ultimately, um, there is that nobility. There is Simon who will go up the mountain even though he's killed for it. There is Ralph who will go on trying to keep society together. Uh, there are people who will be loyal as long as they can. Do you know, I mean, one, I think one, what one's got to remember always about human beings is that they're like a, like a truss in the ceiling. They're all right for the job they're used for, but anything will break given sufficient strain. And, and any human being will break given a sufficient strain. So you can have the two things together. You can have the nobility of a man who is loyal uh, beyond what you might even expect of him. But when more is asked of him, then that is the point at which he breaks, you see. But he can still be a noble creature, although, although he breaks. Now, I'm not sure I really buy that because some other quotes from Golding are man produces evil as a bee produces honey. Childhood is a disease, a sickness that you grow out of and sleep is when all the unsorted stuff comes flying out 
as from a dustbin upset in a high wind. But anyway, he was a great writer. There is one little extract that I want to share with you from Lord of the Flies and it's describing twins. And she says, they, they were twins and the eye was shocked and incredulous at such cheery duplication. I love that description. Also the birthday today of country singer Trisha Yearwood. She was born in 1964 and a really beautiful song. She was released by her almost 30 years ago in October of 1993. It wasn't written by her, but she released it. And if you've ever had that moment where you're listening to the radio and a song comes on that takes you back to a particular time or a particular emotion and kind of catches you unawares, then this one is going to speak to you. The song remembers when. Check it out yourselves on YouTube and enjoy that gorgeous tune by Trisha Yearwood. The song remembers uh, when. Thank you so much for your company this evening. It has been a great pleasure. If there's anything you want to let us know that's happening on the art scene, do send us an email, theartshow at kclr96fm.com. It has been wonderful to enjoy the arts with you this evening and hopefully you'll join us for more of the same this time next week. Slong of all. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Unaniva Lennig. Brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.